Do you consider yourself a, a big risk taker? In business, you either grow or you die. I like to think even in life, you either grow or you die. You expand your knowledge, you um, learn more about yourself, you try new things, or you die. And so, um, because everybody else is growing, so you're receding if you don't grow. And I think that is true of our business. So you have to take risks. Anytime you grow, growth is risk-taking. He continues to grow and innovate his family business, now in its third generation. Meet this Hawaii executive next on Long Story Short. One-on-one, -on -one engaging conversations with some of Hawaii's most intriguing people. Long Story Short with Leslie Wilcox. Aloha mai kakou. I'm Leslie Wilcox. Mark Fukunaga of Honolulu is the third generation chairman and CEO of Servco Pacific. The family-owned business celebrated its 100th year anniversary in 2019. It has grown into one of Hawaii's largest privately owned companies with revenues in 2018 reported at $1.8 billion. Surfco Pacific is known in Hawaii, Guam, and more recently Australia for its auto dealerships with brands including Toyota and Lexus and its home appliance sales. Consider the business's humble start. Mark Fukunaka's grandfather, Peter, an immigrant from Japan, put down a $25 down payment on a two-stall auto repair shop in the rural town of Waialua on Oahu's North Shore. Mark Fukunaga was just four years old when his grandfather passed away in 1960. He learned about his grandfather's life when he read the transcript of a 1940s radio show that was recently discovered tucked away in a family safe. My grandfather was Peter Fukunaga, and um, really an amazing guy. I mean, I, and I, I, re I realize this belatedly, but he was just um, an extraordinary um, risk taker, resilient, um, far-sighted, um, just an amazing guy. Was he an immigrant? Yeah. So he came over from Japan. Uh, he uh, uh, was from the Hiroshima area. His father, my great-grandfather, apparently uh, started off with some money. He apparently owned some like nine mountains up in the hills and uh, uh, unfortunately also liked uh, gambling. So he blew it all. And uh, I think the sons were uh, sent away to make money. So he emigrated at the age of 17 um, and came to Hawaii and actually the Big Island and um, took a job with one of the plantations, a place called Kukue Haele Plantation mm -hmm. up on the north side. So he was doing that and then he got a job at Parker Ranch as a cook, I think probably a dishwasher and a cook, uh, and, and did that for a bit. And then he, um, I guess because he was sort of engineering oriented, he um, became what's called a powder, a powder man. He basically was the guy to blow up uh, dynamite charges to create the flues, irrigation flues through the mountain. I think he was being paid $20 a month, of which he would send 10 back to Japan in those days. And was he intending to go back? He was hoping to. He was hoping to become an engineer. I think at a certain point he said, you know, I, I, I really need to strike out on my own. So he moved to Honolulu 
after about five years on the Big Island. And all the time, he, he used to carry a little English dictionary in his back pocket. So he was always trying to learn English. Um, he knew he had to learn English. He knew he had to learn about America. So um, he enrolled in Trinity Mission School. So he did odd jobs. He worked, uh, I think, as a houseboy. Uh, and when he could, he went to Trinity Mission School first grade because mm -hmm. he didn't know anything more than that level. So he was willing to humble himself and, yeah. and, and risk a big move. Right. At the age of 22, he was in the first grade, first grade class. Mm -hmm. and, but he was a smart guy, so after a month, they promoted him in the second grade. <laughs> a month later, third grade. So he went through six grades in, uh, in about uh, six months, and then he um, went to Iolani. And unfortunately... Um, because he was so, I guess you'd have to say, driven, he drove himself. I'm sure he wasn't eating well or whatever. Um, he ended up getting um, tuberculosis. So he spent a year in Leahi Hospital. Before that, when he was a dynamite guy in the Big Island, he, had a, he fell like uh, 30 feet, almost died, broke both arms. So he was in the hospital there once. He caught scarlet fever on the Big Island. <laughs> That put him in the hospital. So he he was, um, you know, he had all these setbacks, but somehow he always came back. Servco Pacific CEO Mark Fukunaga describes how his grandfather, Peter Fukunaga, came back after recovering from tuberculosis. He set his mind on getting into automotive sales and servicing, but he had no experience in this area. So he knocked on the doors of all three Honolulu auto dealerships in 1919, hoping to learn the business from the ground up. Finally, one of them decided to give him a try based on his persistence. So he works there for about two months. Um, he's working on a car, and it unexpectedly uh, pins him against the garage wall. Another breaks, setback? Breaks a leg. So he's back in the hospital. Wow. This time I think it's Queen's Hospital. So he's recuperating badly broken legs. You know, it was pretty, apparently a really bad injury. And while he's in the hospital, he hears about this garage that is for sale in Haleiwa, what was then Wailua. A garage meaning a place where you get your car fixed? Yeah, yeah. So it was a two-car repair garage, repair any make. And um, um, so he says, great. And he's got $25 in savings. That's, That's amazing it. since he, he was in the hospital for a t yeah. twice already. Right. Hmm. So he, he actually reaches out to the uh, seller, and they strike a deal. And it's, uh, I think it's $1,600 and $25. All he has in his pocket is the down payment. And he makes it, so he seals the deal. He limps out of the hospital bed on crutches because not healed, and he goes out to Wailua and starts running this two-car garage. And that's the start of Surfco, 1919. And, uh, and apparently, so he gets this thing up and running, and then I'm reading um, this transcript, and he says, then we faced a really bad depression. And I'm thinking, oh, the Great Depression. And he goes, yeah, the things got really bad in 1921. And apparently there was a smaller depression then. And he said, we're faced with bankruptcy. Everyone wanted to quit. And he said, I just said, no, we're going to continue. I, will, I won't get paid. I'll do whatever it can, mm. we, we can to stay alive. And he struggled through that. And then 
and then things got better in the 20s. Even in 1929, the, the real depression? Then he's, he apparently, um, so again, a far-sighted guy, and uh, he saw it coming, so he started branching out into appliances. So he, he, he uh, then started this business for uh, electronics, easy radios and easy washers. Mark Fukunaga's grandfather, Peter, took his two-stall auto repair shop and diversified the business to include home appliances, musical instruments, financial services, and car dealerships in Wahiwa, Waipahu, and later Mapunapuna and Honolulu. He married a local girl, and as his three sons became of age, they joined him in the family business. They were uh, led by his three sons, you know, my dad and two uncles, uh, George, Ben, and Tom. Eventually, uh, Ben left to do his own thing, and it's George and Tom. And so they were a partnership that lasted... Um, Really, 35 years. No, that's until pretty they amazing, too. Yeah. To have family working together. I mean, right. that can't be taken for granted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, well, you know, they, they're like all brothers, you know, they had their ups and downs, but they always, they always found a way to work it out. And, um, and they, they had very different views, you know, on how to run a business, which I think was probably healthy. So they always, I think, in some ways challenged each, each other. And, um, and so they, they continue to have the Chevrolet uh, dealership, but then um, uh, my grandfather, in uh, really at the tail end of his life, he decided he needed another franchise, a international foreign franchise. And he actually uh, went to uh, try to get Opel out of Europe. And uh, luckily, in retrospect, uh, he got turned down, thank God. So he <laughs> then said, well, I, I got to maybe I'll go to Japan because I know they're building cars there. So um, he, that's when he went to Japan and he, um, there's an expression at Toyota called go to the source, Genshi Genbutsu, which is find out what you need to find out at the <laughs> source. Don't rely on other people's words. So he went to talk to the Tokyo cab, cab drivers and said, thinking of Nissan or Toyota <laughs> to approach, which car is better? And the Tokyo cabbie said, no, Toyota has a better clutch. And, uh, and he knocked on Toyota's door, and they said, yeah, <laughs> sure, we'll give you the distributorship. So uh, we actually started, we're one of the oldest Toyota distributors in the world. Toyota really grew from about 65, and that's when the company really started to take off. But they had inherited sort of these other businesses, the appliance electronics business. My grandfather had started a finance business, became Servco Financial. Um, a music business, Easy Music. The second generation took all of that, and they kind of went, you know, with, with this great success with Toyota and Chevrolet, then started really diversifying. So um, they ended up doing everything. I, I don't think there's a business we haven't done. We, we, we built furniture, Hawaiiana furniture. What's the most arcane business they started or got into? Oh, wow. Cosmetics. Door-to-door -door cosmetics, Pola Cosmetics, like the Avon lady. Uh, growing plants in Waimanalo, Evergreen Nursery. That's a lot of bookkeeping. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of experimentation. Mark Fukunaga is the only child of George and Alice Fukunaga. His father, George, took over as Servco CEO from Mark's grandfather, Peter Fukunaga, in 1960. 
Mark says while growing up in Honolulu, he was sure of one thing. Uh, one thing I was sure of, which was I was never going to join the family business. So, um, you know, I think it's just, you know, stubborn. They did expect you to, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't all that explicit, but it was high, you know, it's heavily implicit that, yeah, you know, et cetera. Everything was presumed that I would do that. And I just kind of said, no, you know, I pretty much did my own thing. So, of course, I majored in philosophy, political philosophy, which is totally inapplicable. And I kind of like school, so I figured, well, what, what can I do to sort of prolong this? I don't really have to face <laughs> having to, like, break with the family and do my own thing. And I said, out of all the things out there, I, could, I think being a lawyer would kind of preserve the optionality to do stuff. <laughs> you know, government, uh, teach, private practice, nonprofit impact litigation. So, uh, and three years of kind of, you know, law school is kind of, it's, it's intellectually interesting, but you can, you know, it's, it's not a bad life. So I did that for three years. In Chicago? Yeah. After graduating from the University of Chicago Law School, Mark Fukunaga landed a job in New York City with a top-tier corporate law firm on Wall Street. He represented countries, including Brazil and Argentina, which didn't have the money to pay back their loans to the United States. Mark says he liked law school more than he liked practicing law. In 1988, he returned to Hawaii to fulfill family obligations for a time, not as a career. So, yeah, I had all this family uh, expectation. And, you know, when you get my, the ripe old age, when I, I think at that time I was 30s, um, I, Asian guilt, family obligation. I said, look told my dad, look, I know you always wanted me to work in the family business. I'll work for five years. And then after that, I'm going to do my own thing. Because now you've repaid him for all of his raising. That was the raising. theory. Yeah, yeah. So I came back. Did you oh. see that you would enjoy it? Or did you think it would be an, a total drag obligation? Uh, a little bit of both. I thought it would be good. You know, I mean, it's, it, was a, it was the identity of the family. So I thought it would be a good thing to learn that to work with my dad, who was, you know, frankly, a kind of a workaholic, so I didn't really know him that well, oh, as well as like, I, I might have on a uh, really personal level. So I thought, oh, that'd be good. And, uh, but then afterwards, I'd kind of find something else. So when I came back uh, from New York, uh, uh, I was put in to kind of rotate through the company and do, you know, a bunch of jobs to kind of learn about. And my first job was in the appliance service department. And at that time, um, General Electric, which was our main brand, um, their refrigerators had a defect, and their compressors, the thing that cools it, were failing. So we had thousands of refrigerators that were failing, full of food throughout Oahu. And um, I was... Um, I was in that department, and it was, we were completely... You were taking the calls. We were taking the calls, oh. and then pretty soon it was like, you know, we're, we were just dealing with this tidal wave of stuff, so anybody who could do anything was doing anything, so... That must um, have been the family food for the week or more. Oh, so yeah. that's, that was big money people were losing, yeah. rotting in their right, homes. Right, right. So, um, so we would take in these refrigerators full of food, food was bad, and... 
guests who got to clean them out. And, but it was, you know, I loved it. I was supposed to be there for two weeks. I ended up staying for like four months, and they had to actually yank me out. You liked cleaning gross food out of... Yeah, it was... Well, that part wasn't so much fun, although I did learn that if you need to take a really bad smell out of a refrigerator, the best thing is fresh lemons. Just squeeze it in there. Squeeze it, (laughs) and then wipe it all down with fresh lemon juice. You're great. Good to go. After nearly five years of working for Servco, the company that his grandfather founded and his father was running, Mark Fukunaga was at a crossroads with his career. Would he stay in the family business or move on to a different path? Sad thing is, like on the fifth year, um, so I was already thinking uh, what I was, whether I was going to stay, whether I move on. But um, we were in Guam, and unfortunately, he had a heart attack and died in front of me. Um, we were there on a trip because we had expanded to Guam as part of those 42 businesses, and um, and unfortunately he died. So, uh, and my uncle, Tom, who was the other brother in the business. Well, there were just two at that point. Two at that point, had terminal cancer. Oh. So they ended up dying. You know, they're partners for life, and they were partners till death, till to death. I mean, they um, died within a year of each other. So... All of a sudden, um, you have two uh, people who are totally unqualified. Uh, my cousin, Eric, who's Tom's son, and me, being George's son, were like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you're not, you're not going to leave. You're going to so, stay the course, of right? Of course, yeah. So um, we took over. What changes were made by you and Eric? Well, it, you know, when we came in, we just, uh, we, we sort of saw what was there. It was like, you know, as I said, some 40-odd businesses. Um, and were they doing well? When they were acquired or we entered into it, it there was some sense because Hawaii was, was still its own economy that was separate from the U.S. mainland. And I think, you know, we all saw it in the late 80s when Costco came, Kmart came, and then the wave of national retailers, national banks, you know, B of A was here, mm-hmm. everything, you know, in, in all kinds of uh, parts of the economy had all of a sudden national and global competitors. And uh, it was no longer local to local where you could match up. It was not a time to be selling cosmetics door to door. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it just kind of hit in a wave in that, that right around 1990. And and so when Eric and I took over in 94, it was like, geez, <laughs> this isn't going to work. And um, so we had to do some really tough things. You know, we... we um, let people go? We let some people go. Um, we shrunk, um, you know, so we sold, spun off, and closed, um, at that time, 39 out of the 42 businesses. And it was just one after the other. And not from a personal standpoint, but from a professional standpoint, you were comfortable with that. Uh, it was really hard. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Surfco is incredibly lucky to have a great board. And one of the board members um, said to me, Dick Gushman, he said, you know, if you, um, if you can't do the tough things, you have no business being a CEO. If you like doing the tough things, you're not a human. And when you operate doing the things you do, you really have to be self-aware. You have to know yourself. What have you discovered along the way? Oh, gosh. Um, you, have to, you have to be able to forgive yourself for making mistakes. 
you know, that's probably the first lesson. You're going to make a ton of mistakes. I can, if we had three more hours, I could go through <laughs> all of them. Uh, but but it's, it's that. It's being comfortable with making mistakes. I think that's a big one. You know, um, when people talk about your company and the family, I mean, they may think, Oh, they're in the car business. They've been in the car business for years. They've got it made. Mm -hmm. But it does, probably doesn't feel like that, does it? Because the car business has changed so much. And is it a sure thing now? We're talking about all kinds of new transportation coming online. Yeah, big time. It's totally different. I think every business out there is facing disruption. Is that the uh, biggest disruption, for, uh, digital related, internet related? I, I would say, I mean, it's particularly bad in the auto business in terms of uh, the disruption we're facing because I think we're facing four different ones. One is moving from brick and mortar to digital. But in addition to that, there's autonomous cars that will come here. Where people wouldn't need to own a car. They right. would just pick up a driverless car and take right. it. Yeah, you've got sharing, Uber, and, and now we've launched our own sharing service called uh, Hui Car Sharing. So you've got sharing, the sharing economy, and you marry that with autonomous vehicles. And all of a sudden, do you need to own a car? Does that phase you? It's fascinating and terrifying because we don't know how it all is going to pan out, how, how lucrative, you know, how profitable, you know, sustainably profitable it can be. Um, and, but we know it's the future. And even though, you know, frankly, some of that stuff disrupts our core business of selling and servicing cars, we know that's what customers want. So we're gonna, we, that's been our mantra for 100 years. We follow the customer. Following the customer, even at the possible expense of some of our business, but we know if we follow the customer, it's going to be successful in the long run. Uh, what's the fourth generation looking like? Um, you know, we're lucky. I think we have some really, really talented, uh, what we call G4s, fourth generations. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't know there was a, yeah, a there's a whole, <laughs> yeah, if you're in the family business world, there's, you know, G1, G2s, et cetera. But um, no, we've got some really talented um, people out there. And um, I think, you know, again, this is great counsel from another one of our board members, Warren Luke, runs uh -huh. a family business. And he said, you know, Everybody in the family always worries about the family business, but you really have to worry about is um, the business of the family. You know, how do you make sure that um, younger generations are constructive, engaged, uh, productive members of society instead of living off dividends? You mentioned your daughter might be interested in going to the business? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm slightly biased here. I think she's the best thing in the world. Um, and, and you have one daughter. You're I have one. an only child just Only like child yourself? and only child, which, which could be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but she's actually a well-adjusted, giving, um, thoughtful, uh, unspoiled person. So, uh, and she's a millennial. She's a millennial. Um, she uh, graduated from B-School, just got out of Columbia, and is now working as a management consultant. What was parenting her like as a, as a, when it, she was a child? It was, uh, you know, uh, completely unexpected. I, I didn't know if I was going to be a good parent or if even I was going to like parenting. And it turned out um, that was the best, hands down, best thing I've ever done. I love being a father. And, uh, and uh, it was incredibly rewarding for me on all kinds of levels, but it was also influential. I mean, I, I became a different person from being, um, from being uh, an all-in parent. You know, I learned how to be tolerant. I learned how to be patient. 
I learn how to appreciate curiosity and encourage curiosity and become more curious myself because of my interactions with her. Um, so she made me a better person. Yeah, she's, uh, she's terrific. You know, like some other folks in the family, interested in possibly joining the family business. And what if one of the G's just could care less about transportation and cars but wants to do business? Then what? Then I think that's terrific. I think, you know, every business, you know, any business this long reinvents itself. And we've reinvented us. You know, we, we, didn't, we don't do, we don't bake muffins anymore. We don't build <laughs> furniture. Um, so every business reinvents itself. And um, I'm sure we will do. The next generation will reinvent the business again. One of the businesses in which Servco Pacific still has a controlling stake is Fender Musical Instruments, makers of legendary guitars used by rock and roll artists like the Rolling Stones and the late Jimi Hendrix. In 2007, under Mark Fukunaga's leadership, Servco expanded its Toyota dealerships into Australia, which now account for half of its automotive business and its 2,000-plus employee workforce. In 2018, Mark was named CEO of the Year by Hawaii Business Magazine, and he continues to grow and innovate a sprawling and successful family business founded for $25 in Waialua, O'ahu. Mahalo to Mark Fukunaga of Honolulu for sharing his story. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Long Story Short on PBS Hawaii. I'm Leslie Wilcox. Aloha nui. It's about being a custodian, a good custodian. It's not like, okay, how much dividends can we pull out of it? You know, and I think we all take the position that we, our identities are wrapped up in Servco and that our role in the community is tied to Servco. So we better darn well be sure that Servco's a really good corporate citizen that does good things. Um, and we try to just try to perpetuate that. For audio and written transcripts of all episodes of Long Story Short with Leslie Wilcox, visit pbshawaii.org. To download free podcasts of Long Story Short with Leslie Wilcox, go to the Apple iTunes Store or visit pbshawaii.org. 